Hello, it's David Perlman for the Whole Note Studio. It's Saturday, the 15th of October, 2011, and I'm here with Christina Petrowska-Quilico. And uh, I saw you just yesterday, actually. <laughs> you, were, uh, you were at, uh, well, I don't need to tell you where you were, you know, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. for, our <laughs> but for our viewers, at Gallery 345 for an Anne Southern tribute concert that was presented by Array Music, who've been one of the champions of her work, right, in the, yes, in the last while. Well, I remember Array, I think I first played with Array many, many years ago, 1989, mm -hmm. and Christos Hatzis was involved, and we went on a tour of Greece twice, I think 91 was the last tour, I, can't, I don't have the dates, and I'd have to mm -hmm. look them up, but it was exciting. We did a program of Canadian music, and that was one of the first times I introduced dance music in Greece, uh -huh. and uh, Christos Hatzis music, and we also did a whole program of uh, Greek music. Mm -hmm. So I remember um, at the very end of our rehearsals, the Greek pianist who was to premiere a concerto by George Koumandakis, a student mm -hmm. of Pierre Boulez, canceled out. So I had to do it. I just remember practicing 10 hours a day to learn this concerto. How long did you have for that? Uh, less than three weeks. Wow. Yeah, it was a and really And you have to get piece. it into the fingers. You do, and mm. I was doing other repertoire. I know something by uh, Michael Travlos, a, a Greek composer. Anyway, it was really interesting. The, the concerts for the Greek music were really well attended, and they were in an open-air theater. The Canadians were less well attended, but you know, mm. musicians who were interested were there. So that was the first time I that played was, with Array a long uh, time was ago. Was that when Henry Kucharsik yes. was the artistic yeah. director? I think there? so, yes. Yeah. And so your connection with Anne Southern's music goes back a long time, does Oh, it, it does. About 30 years ago. Really? And um, I remember very well because um, Ruth Kasdan uh, was studying some piano with me at the time I was teaching at the Royal Conservatory of Music in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And she brought me a piece by Anne Southam, and she said, oh, can you help me with it? So I helped her. And then she said, oh, I think you should play all of these rivers. She's looking for someone to play them. And at that time, I was maybe eight months pregnant with one of my children. So I thought, okay, I'm not doing much else. I'll take a look. And her tempos were really slow, mm -hmm. even for the fast ones. They weren't fast then. Right. <laughs> and... Uh, Oh, it was just, it took like hours to get through the repertoire. So I thought, oh, this is, I'm going to do something. And I, I called her up and I said, oh, can you please come over? And you have to sit down and, you know, don't be upset, but I've changed your music a little bit. Uh -huh. And her reaction was great. And I figured, oh, she, she's not going to yell at a pregnant woman. <laughs> she's <laughs> nice, so I'm okay. And she really loved it. And uh, we started up a really good friendship from then on and I think everybody has a different relationship with composers mm -hmm. you know according to their unique perspectives and their right. uh, particular gifts so I found Anne extremely accommodating and we worked uh, very well together and one of my favorite stories I've, I've told it many times uh, when I was recording Rivers she'd come to the house and she was changing endings and would call me and we'd on the phone, we'd sit at the piano, try to figure out an ending. But uh, she came to the house and put her manuscript on the f carpet and was sitting on the floor. Mm -hmm. And I had um, four dogs, I think, at that time. One, a little puppy, uh, who uh -huh. escaped. 
and saw the manuscript and thought, wee wee pad. Right, rivers and rivulets. <laughs> That's absolutely the just ran to the manuscript in front of my horrified uh, uh, reaction and poor Anne and, and just peed all over the river's score and Anne was just great. She picked up the score and was helping her, you know, dripping rivers and ran to the bathroom and she said, I hope that's not a comment on my music. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Dog-ass critic. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the other thing was that was so much fun with her. Every time I play rivers, she'd say, it gets faster, you know, for the All fast the time. ones. Well, so yeah. do rivers from time to time. Yes, they do. They? It's interesting. So, um, the tempo was very fast last night. Yeah. It, it seemed that... Well, uh, for the fast ones, yeah, the slow yeah. ones can be slow. It, for me, it depends on the piano and on the On the actual, the instrument yes. itself. The, the action of the piano. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you've got a stubborn piano, you can't, play it that fast because mm -hmm. it won't react. So right. if I've got a fast piano, it's like, you know, driving a fast car, yeah, yeah. a sports car, here I go. So uh, Anne was always saying, each time she heard it, well, I, I like that one best, you know, too yeah. bad we didn't record that one. And I said, Anne, is this going to be going on forever? Like each performance is, is different. And, mm. you know, as long as you keep enjoying in them, mm. then that's fine. And the really complex overtones must also all be different they on are. different pianos as well. And what I find, what keeps me playing this kind of music or any music is the adventure of it. I, mm -hmm. I, I like to change it sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I, I tell my students this, you know, if I've told them something, I say, it's not written in stone. Surprise me if you feel right. that you want to. That's more exciting than just memorizing everything I say. Yeah. And when I was a student, that, that was um, one of the things I learned from my teacher. I tried to do what she said, Rosina Levy or, or, or this was when you down, were when down, you were in, in New York. Yes, right? in Juilliard or Oren Freundlich, who I studied with, or, yeah. or the assistant Janine Dowes. Um, they would tell me what to do, and I'd be very careful to work at it, but sometimes at the concert, you know, all you want to do is just sit there and play and whatever mm -hmm. happens. So I hoped that she wouldn't be there because I had different plans for an interpretation. Right. I don't know, I think it was 14 or 15, and then she came over and she said, well, that's brilliant. And I thought she wasn't there, and I was so upset when I saw her. <laughs> I said, oh, I'm so sorry I didn't do what you said. And she said, oh, I loved it much better. Oh, and that gave great. me the freedom, and I've taken that to contemporary music because that makes mm -hmm. it more interesting. Well, imagine for some contemporary composers, you don't ever hear the music until somebody plays it. That's right. I mean, you, I mean hear it fully. You may, you may have it note for note, although even that is sometimes not the case, but, but it is a, a, a music of discovery. It uh, is, and also for the composers. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I, I feel a, feel really regretful for young composers and also young pianists. There's not that much opportunity to play with orchestra. It's true, isn't it? So um, I, I think I was very lucky, very fortunate that I started with playing with orchestra at a young age. I played the Haydn um, mm -hmm. in Toronto when I was about 10. And when wow. I went, yeah. <laughs> with Ettore Mazzolini. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but I never thought of myself like that. I didn't even tell my friends at school because it wasn't cool, right? right. <laughs> um, and my brothers, well, the brother that was living at home at the time certainly didn't encourage any of that. And my father didn't really want me in music. So um, hmm. this was just something that, that I did and didn't feel particularly special about. 
Now when I look back, I think prodigy, and I'm so grateful that nobody took me seriously. Nobody actually yeah. pigeonholed you no. as that. And then, um, you know, I did win Kiwanis and all this kind of stuff. And then when I went to New York uh, to the Juilliard School, I was 14, and Boris Berlin encouraged me, and my father said absolutely not. Mm -hmm. um, because I was very good at school and, you know, they anticipated an academic career. Mm -hmm. And I went to Juilliard and I got the scholarship, so um, I, le I went there. And then I won the concerto competition there with Murray Pariah, who was just wonderful. I, I loved him. A great, great guy. And he did Beethoven, second piano concerto. I did mm -hmm. Mozart K488 in Town Hall with orchestra and got my first New York Times review. Wow. And um, I played with the Juilliard Orchestra. I got to do like Chopin e minor six times with six different conductors, which was just invaluable. Yeah. And I went to the high school performing arts, so I was w playing in the orchestra whenever anybody was absent. Mm -hmm. I had to play their part or, you know, learn figure bass and did all that kind of stuff. So I got used to it accompanying right away, so I played with all different instruments. and living in the States, I went to music camps. I went to Blue Hill, Maine to work with Archer Balsam, Tanglewood, um, Aspen all summer. I would go to Paris, France, and I would go as artist in residence and accompany everybody mm -hmm. as well as play solo. So that was invaluable experience. And then at the same time, in my teens, I ended up playing um, with orchestra. That's what I said, um, opportunities. I did like uh, the Prokofiev first, second and third piano concertos. Mm -hmm. I did the Strauss Burlesque. Um, oh, I've done Gershwin Rhapsody in Blue. I've done The Emperor, uh, lots of Mozarts. So um, in terms of, uh, we were talking yeah. earlier about um, it takes time for the it takes time for the music to get back from the memory to the yeah. to the fingers. Yes. Do you keep a number of concerti in rep, or how long is it? I mean, for example, uh, what's it, November 4th? You're fifth. doing I'm fifth. doing the Greek. You're doing the Greek with the Kindred Spirits yes. Orchestra up at Markham yeah. Theatre, where they're making a real effort to, to bring in a much stronger classical component in, in that venue. Yes. And it's a, a nice one, so it'll uh, be interesting. But the, my question yeah. has to do with um, the... Does it take time to dust something like that off and get it back to the fingers? Or not, is too not, much not, time. not too much time. And I, I credit uh, the Juilliard training because, um, you know, many times they'd say, well, is somebody sick or, you know, can you do the this concerto in five weeks? I remember Boris brought, I was scheduled to do Chopin Minor, and then he said, I don't want to do it. I want to do Strauss Burlesque. <laughs> well, oh, I don't know it. And he said, we've got five weeks. And I went to Rosina Levy and I said, could you call the conductor up and tell him, you know, not to do it? And she said, no, just learn it. You've got five <laughs> weeks. <laughs> so I, I did that, <coughs> pardon me, for the Strasbourg last, the Prokofiev first. So it, it doesn't take me too long to learn, but it has to be focused practice. And you mm -hmm. have to know how to, how to practice. Um, but, um, so between Greek and Southern... Yeah. There's a bit of an arc, but I but I imagine there are also certain connections or things that. Oh, I can, I can address that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Southern, to me, the the fast virtuosic pieces have a similarity to Franz Liszt, mm -hmm. uh, Chopin, a um, bit of Schumann. Uh, it's the, the technical aspects of them. 
mean, she did know classical piano. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a piano. Somebody was more comfortable with the piano. Right. I don't think she envisioned at, them at quite Banff that fast. At Banff in the 80s, yeah, mostly, yeah. right? But um, the, the technique that's required to play that kind of um, fast fingers mm-hmm. without a break, if you don't have a certain type of technique, if you, in, at a certain point in your life, haven't been doing a lot of etudes and... The, the classical yeah. chops for Yeah, it, you right? can break down, yeah. uh, or you can hurt your fingers and develop right. tendonitis, because it's, it's a lot of fast music mm-hmm. for a long time. I, I recorded Glass Houses, did them in March, and that's over an hour of just fast, fast, fast from beginning to end. The rivers, at least, I've alternated them fast, slow, mm-hmm. fast, slow, so I get a break. But um, anything like the Glass Houses to do a bunch of them, you really need to have the stamina and, and kind of the focus. And I think that comes from doing the etudes, like Liszt Transcendental Etudes, mm-hmm. which I started when I was at Juilliard, you know, young. Um, and, and that's with her etudes. faster music. You yeah. can, there's that connection. And yes. then so the Grieg is so more like So the Grieg like is what? like that, yeah, it's because more, there's okay. vir- it's virtuosic repertoire, so okay. the, the hands go into those patterns right. uh, quite easily. I mean, I, I did the Franz Liszt album this year, and I felt it launched the same time as Glass Houses, and mm-hmm. everybody was saying, what, Liszt and sell them? And I said, oh, no, no, same yeah. fast technique. And, Interesting. And then the Liszt has those late, slow pieces, so I mm-hmm. thought it was quite comparable. Interesting. Yeah, she would have loved I, it. I found myself wondering for a moment while you were playing last, last night, I, I found myself wondering, say, was Anne left-handed? herself individually. I don't think so. Because it was mm. so interesting watching the piece. I mean, in a way, it's for left hand and right hand, but but even more strongly, the, those pieces seem to be for overhand and underhand, because the mm. left hand is mm. almost always in some kind of a crossover, or not even so much a crossover as a straddle relationship to the right to the yeah. right hand. Well, I don't think she was left-handed. Mm-hmm. But they are difficult. I was showing you in the score because yeah. that type of thing, you know, getting in and out was over the black keys. I see. So I remember when I started them, I thought, well, never mind what I thought. <laughs> I was. <laughs> so, the, really so the left hand is anchored very strongly in the black keys yes, than in those. Yeah, and many of the passages. So you're jumping all over the black keys, which reminds me of the black key etude of Chopin, right? right. So any of those types of etudes, mm-hmm. that's what it came to my mind when I was working on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with a concerti like the Grieg, I'm happy that I had a good solid background on classical piano concerti because when I um, am doing the contemporary concerti, um, and I've recorded 10 of them, 10 Canadian piano concerti, and mm-hmm. one more CD will come out of them, and I've done maybe 16 premieres uh, with, along with European um, international composers, uh, I feel comfortable. And uh, it has a lot to do with rhythm and counting. And I tell my students it's really different playing with orchestra. First of all, the sound. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very solid with your own part. And you have to make sure you've got a good sense of rhythm. Uh-huh. Otherwise, going to fall apart mm-hmm. because even though there's the conductor there I mean you're working together you, you want to show him 
-hmm. how you feel as well. Do you work, do you encourage people to know not, do you yourself work at knowing not just your part but the, but the score oh, yes. as, a, as a whole? Because I would imagine looking at something that is piano, piano is relative to what the orchestra is doing. You can't arbitrarily come up and say, well, this is going to be pianissimo, this is going to be forte, because, fortissimo, because it's in relation to an external animal that has its own oh, yes. um, yeah. tempi and, 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 and all the rest. And each concerto is a bit different. Mm -hmm. um, I remember doing the Alexina Louie the, the first time I did it at the National Arts Center Orchestra, and she had a Chinese gong kind of behind the piano, and I remember it, they sounded the gong <laughs> and like this, so they had to move the piano away from the gong, because you know, I couldn't, couldn't hear myself come in, didn't know, couldn't hear anything. Interesting. But uh, that was one of the first lessons, and my students have a hard time understanding it, but you made an excellent point, because I went through the same thing. You, when you're in the studio and you're playing, you know, oh, it's so nice and clean, and oh, mm. I don't want to muddy it with too much pedal. I remember my teacher and um, Rosina Levine also, when I was doing Rachmaninoff third piano concerto, she, I, I had it all nice and clean, and she said, "Who cares?" <laughs> you know, she said, "It's you want the you want the resonance, you want the harmonies." And so when I was doing the Strauss burlesque, there was a passage like two pages of nothing but octaves, and I had them nice and clean. Was so proud of myself. Mm -hmm. And Janine said, "No, you got to put the pedal down for the two pages." And I said, "Oh." She doesn't know what she's talking about. That's going to sound dreadful. She said, you're not going to hear yourself, and nobody's going to hear you anyway with a Strauss <laughs> orchestra behind you. Are you kidding? Right. So um, the first rehearsal, that's exactly what happened. I found myself putting the pedal down and just and creating a went. shape, you know, yeah. the energy. A continuo um, to the thing yeah. the most. Interesting. And, and Rosina Levine, when she was talking about the Rachmaninoff third, she said, you know what? She said, nobody really cares and nobody can hear. If you've gotten all the left-hand notes perfectly, what mm -hmm. they want is that direction, mm -hmm. like an electrical current from the beginning to the end of the piece. You right. follow the line, and if it goes into the orchestra, you have to just continue that. Mm -hmm. So it's from the orchestra to yourself. and um, Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. If you can get into that, it's very exciting. I love playing with orchestra. Just a real high. You play with orchestra, and you play solo recital, but chamber has oh my God. never been a part or been has the been the biggest part. part of my life has it really well mm -hmm. because once i started um especially at juilliard i accompanied all the violin students or not all of them but a lot of the violin students of ivan galamian mm -hmm. um then as assistants uh, we had to at juilliard that was part i did um, a cello i did tours with uh, flutists. We went all over the Europe and, and the States. Um, when I studied at Aspen, that was chamber music and, mm -hmm. um, and solo. When I went to Blue Hill, Maine, that was chamber music. Uh -huh. Tanglewood, it was chamber music for me. Uh, high school performing arts, I, I accompanied all sorts of instruments. When I went to Paris many summers as artist in residence, I accompanied. That was part of my commitment was mm -hmm. to accompany uh, all the different instrumentalists. I can't tell you. I mean, that, that's all I've but, done. But piano plus one mostly, not piano trio. Uh, no, not trios, trio quintets. Oh, yeah. Um, when I was in Ottawa, living in Ottawa, um, they had um, music for Sunday afternoon, and they were 
chamber groups from the orchestra, and I used to accompany a lot of those, uh -huh. and they'd get somebody from different orchestras in the States to come and coach us, so that there were sextets, quintets, and trios, and then, of course, I worked with individuals, so, mm -hmm. like, at York, I have worked, we've done a whole bunch of cello and all the Beethoven sonatas, um, Jacques Israel. You're working with Jacques. Uh, yeah, we're working together mm -hmm. as a duo, so we did, you know, a number of concerts together, and mm. So, um, I mean, I keep doing that all the time. And in terms of modern repertoire? Uh, well, Jacques and I are doing an all-Canadian program this year. Oh, yeah. um, so, been getting away from the Brahms and Beethoven <laughs> for yeah. a bit. Yeah. Talk, t let's talk a bit about the upcoming CD. T uh, it's called Tapestry? Tapestries. Yeah. Tapestries. Yeah. <laughs> and it's being launched at the at an event at the Canadian Music Center beginning of November? November 2nd. November 2nd, with a little concert to... Well, we're trying to decide, because it's difficult. They've got the Weinswag piano, the upright. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know whether that's um, mm. anything can be played. We're, we're still thinking about it. But, yeah, it's a, it's a different CD, because the last CD I did of Concerti for them uh, were Canadian women, Alexina yeah. Louis, Violet Archer, and Larissa Kuzmenko, and yeah. um, th that was a Juno nomination for that. And I had a Juno nomination for a Glenn Buer piano concerto that I did with right. the Winnipeg Symphony. Um, so this Tapestries uh, had Heather Schmidt's piano concerto, number right. two, that she wrote for me, and I did the world premiere with Kitchener-Waterloo. And it just didn't fit on the first and Center Discs didn't want to do two CD set because I keep doing so many two CD sets. Yeah, right. So they said, okay, enough, just one CD. So we left poor Heather off. And mm -hmm. David Yeager was very fond of that piano concerto. Mm -hmm. And somehow we got into a conversation uh, about different types of piano concerto and said, well, there's nothing ever written for piano in like choir or anything like this. I said, you just reminded me. I did a piece. And CBC recorded it by George Fiala with the um, Ukrainian-Canadian opera chorus and chimes. Okay. And I said, I don't remember it at all. So he said, I'll look it up. And he looked it up and um, sent me a copy, and he said, I really like it. And it sounds really neat. Mm -hmm. And so I listened to it, and I thought, wow, this is really different. Mm -hmm. And we decided maybe it's not a bad idea to, to put it out there. So it's Heather, Heather and George, and George Fiala, Fiala. And those are the yeah, two. Yeah, those are the two. The, yeah, then okay. that's he Heather, I, I find myself thinking um, Heather's interesting because I, the last time I heard her was actually a recital that she did for Music Toronto probably three, three years ago or four years ago. And the program included a couple of her own works. But it also included uh, Clara, Clara Schumann and Fanny Mendelssohn. That's right. I think those were the other, as well as I think a, a real fireworks rach, Rachmaninoff thrown yeah. in. For, so um, she she seems to be in a, a continuum of, of. I mean, it's interesting because she's both a performer and a, and a composer, and I found myself wondering. Is she one of the people, you must have crossed paths repeatedly with her. Did you meet her through Anne, or did no, you know her independently? Um, I knew her independently, actually. I was giving a recital in, in New York um, f 
Franz Liszt and Canadian women composers, but we called it Liszt and Women. Oh, that's a good <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, intriguing. Absolutely. And uh, you used um, her solace, and she was in New York at the time, so uh, we worked together. Mm -hmm. And I recorded it on Northern Sirens, which she really liked. And then um, the CBC um, commissioned that concerto, so... Yeah, we've known each other over, over, over the, over the over years. The, yeah, she's now moved to California, so I don't see oh, her. Oh, I didn't, didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, she, mm. she got married again, and she's there. But I, she's a certain uh, kind of composer, mm. and that's why I felt that that matched Fiala, because the Fiala concerto, I mean, to me it sounds very Brahmsian, and very Rachmaninoff. Mm -hmm. it, it's a certain type of very large writing. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's Anne Southam, for example, is is more like the French style. It's it's uh, mm. more delicate, it's fast, mm. you know, Ravel like even. Uh, but the Fiala's Brahms, you know, the very big stuff. Very broad strokes. Yeah, very broad and passionate. Yeah. And and I felt that um, her concerto. I mean, she is a pianist, so it's mm -hmm. very virtuosic, and that's who she is. She doesn't um, apologize for the way she writes, and um, mm. so it just seemed that they were two virtuosic works. Uh, from very different generations and from very different places because Heather's from Calgary originally yep. and George Fiala's from Kiev and he studied at the, all the, the famous places in, mm -hmm. um, in Russia and in the Ukraine. So um, just the nature, although they don't seem like they would make a good match, it's interesting it to have together, them yeah, together and uh, different perspectives. and. Uh, so if you're looking for, um, you know, something like really new music, it's not going to be on that CD. Mm -hmm. I've record, I've played those types of concertos. I did um, uh, Claudio Ambrosini mm -hmm. uh, from Italy uh, in Montreal, and that's really hardcore avant-garde. I had to wear gloves with the fingers cut off, and wow. you know, that's very, um, very difficult. So I've, I've made it uh, my life's mission to, to keep my feet in both camp, so to speak, mm -hmm. because I, I had the Juilliard training, yeah. and then I also, and Levine knew about it, I went to Darmstadt, and I was in Stockhausen's class, and I worked with Boulez and Ligeti, mm -hmm. and my first husband was a composer, passed away young, Michel-Georges Brescia, right. and he was writing very hardcore um, visual graphic music at the time, so I just, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like Jekyll and Hyde, <laughs> you know, put on my different hats mm -hmm. to play and I, I think it I like it the balance yeah, is I important yes yeah. because I think that um, if you're just doing the hardcore uh, it's not um, I don't know the hardcore which uh, avant-garde avant uh. yeah <laughs> I mean I you know like if I, I do Jevsky Winsboro Cottonmill Blues it's really heavy hitting or you know some of the American um, I, I like to do go home and, and play some Beethoven or mm -hmm. Brahms. I mean, I just, I need that in my life. I need the both. And then, of course, my late husband, Louis Quillico, I sure. toured with him. Everybody, uh, I had to take some time off from new music to do that. Absolutely, but uh, yeah. it was an invaluable experience. I just, uh, we worked really well together. And what a nice um, Nice way to do opera. <laughs> Absolutely. So in re in recital. And we did, and I did the paraphrases to give him a break if we did recitals. Right. So that worked out. But you know, just to be in the company of uh, the great singers, and mm -hmm. I, I was on sabbatical, so I got to travel with them, and 
and we'll stay at the Met and watch all that. So a very different life than... So do you think working in, in the, what you call the hardcore in new music actually makes you more receptive to the moments of surprise in the classical repertoire where one can fall so easily into patterns of this is the yeah. way it should be done? Yeah. Do you hear differently? I do. do. I, I, I think th they work, one helps the other. Uh, tonal quality, for example. Mm -hmm. You've got contemporary music that, you know, if you play it with a harsh tone, you know, you, the, the piece might fail, but if you play it with a beautiful tone, it might work. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you can reverse that sometimes if you're doing, you know, um, classical music and you want to have a little bit more uh, character and yeah. you want to have a little harder edge. Um, having just done Zanakis, for example, mm -hmm. it, it helps with that. And You've got the tools. Yes, and I, music's music to me. Mm -hmm whatever it is. I, I like it. It's adventuresome and I like a challenge. Mm -hmm. And you don't get bored. I'm not bored with my music. I'm still playing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everybody asks me, you know, my God, you're, <laughs> you know, I've been playing for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and yet I, I still want to continue. I get a new piece of music. I'm, I'm excited by it. I want to present it. I want to do it. Um, I like playing concerts and yeah, just uh, uh, really wonderful. And each time I play, something new happens. It's never quite the same. Mm -hmm. e even you put it on CD and okay, but you know, a couple of years later you play it a bit differently. Oh, darn it, why can't I record <laughs> it again? <laughs> right. But you have to be able to let it go. Uh -huh. um, because it is in its own time. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you, you just have to go ahead and either repeat it or, yeah. or go do something else. Something so else. for me it seems to work and I, I think the technique of both help. The only difference is that with contemporary music you use your music and then with classical you have, have to memorize it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to mm -hmm. ask you a bit about memorizing because um, um, it, it's interesting that we was talking to someone a, a couple of weeks ago who talked about the fact that the requirement for the memorized concerto actually came to the music quite late, that it was show-offs like Liszt who actually forced that on in terms of expectation yes. and that it's not necessary, I mean how do you, what's your take on well, that? Well Clara Schumann was another one, um, well I was doing a lecture on Franz Liszt, so I have my top ten reasons why Liszt is a modern con uh, composer, but um, he was one of the first that was memorizing entire programs. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, he gave um, concerts in Berlin. In ten weeks, he gave 21 concerts, 80 works. Uh, 50 of those were memorized. He had a prodigious <laughs> memory. He memorized the Beethoven Third Piano Concerto in 48 hours and performed it. Um, he was a great improviser, and at that time there were these duels with Thalberg, and mm -hmm. uh, they had these kind of hexameron variations, and that was part of the uh, pianist's job, to have this tremendous memory. Uh, I know that lately a lot of pianists have been discussing that. Is it absolutely necessary if you feel more comfortable with the music? Mm -hmm. I find it a difficult question. Um, I was experimenting now with the Greek, and um, I had a, a grad student accompany me, and I had my music there, and 
and then I, I tried it without the music. Well, it was much easier without the music. Without the music. Um, mm -hmm. Although one always worries that you're going to forget it. You know, you, you just get a little nervous. But Maybe worry is part of the creative apparatus. Yeah, I think so. And I think people need to remember that even if it happens, we're human. Mm -hmm. You know, and we're not CDs. Yeah. You know, and the, the perfection of these CDs, but in live concerts, you often have pianists uh, forgetting. There are a lot mm -hmm. of stories. Stephen Huff on his blog was talking about, you know, the fact that probably we shouldn't play with music. Mm -hmm. And Sviatoslav Richter, at, after 50, started using his music, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, who cares? And I heard a story that he changed his practice because his own perfect pitch shifted by a semitone. And he was hearing things, a semitone different from what he was, what he was seeing. I, I've heard that too, and that's the um, downside of perfect pitch. Mm -hmm. Because if you're playing on a piano, I mean, I can tell if it's out of tune, but it, you know, I get used to it pretty quickly and it doesn't bother me. But I've, I've known pianists who are really thrown by a piano that may not be exactly what they... Matching their own... Yes, pitch. expectations, so it, it's difficult. So I think we're going to have to wrap here, yeah. but um, uh, just, to, just to go back, we, the, the fifth... The November degree, 5th degree. The second is the, the, the launch of the CD, yes. and, and after that, what's Oh, there's what's happening. Um, well, I'm playing the All-Canadian with Jacques Israelovich. Right. And... Um, I totally forgot the date. <laughs> it's in matter. January. Yeah. I'm doing a Karen Keyser concert because I've recorded the first CD of a two-CD set by Greek-Canadian composer Konstantin Karavasilis. Yes. We received um, the Harry Friedman Award for this in an Ontario Arts Council grant. So in the summer I did the first CD, and I'm going to record the second of his music. Uh, I'm doing Rivers with the Toronto Dance Theatre in April. Um, oh with a new ballet by Christopher House that he's choreographed. Okay. So I'll be on stage with the dancers. Very exciting. And we're doing it in the National Arts Centre as well. And um, oh, I, I've got a, another recording of women composers that I have to record. I've just got lots of projects. Yeah. More power to the hands. That's right. Well, I'm, I'm very lucky that I have never had tendonitis and I thank my teachers uh, for that, and I, I work out, and I, I don't take myself too seriously. I walk the dogs, I lift weights, I don't worry about it. <laughs> so I think that's the best attitude. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Really enjoyed this. Yeah, me too.